this is Lydia from the FMES Library, and this is um, what I call First Chapter Friday, where I read the first chapters from a variety of books, hoping to get you interested in reading the rest yourself. Today, I'm going to read the first chapters from two, um, these are two books that are in the early chapter books section of the library, but the first one, The Hoboken Chicken Emergency, could, um, could still be a quick, enjoyable read for even upper elementary. Um, the second one is Junie B. Junie B. First Grader. It's one of the Junie B. Jones series, and it's called Turkeys We Have Loved and Eaten and Other Thankful Things. And that is more for um, uh, lower elementary to read on your own or um, for uh, children's house to have it read to them. All right, I hope you enjoy these. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Chapter One of the Hoboken Chicken Emergency by Daniel Pinkwater. Nobody in Arthur Bobowitch's family really liked turkey. Certainly, the kids didn't like it as much as chicken or duck. They suspected that Mama and Papa didn't like it very much either. Still, they had a turkey every Thanksgiving, like almost every family in Hoboken. Thanksgiving is an important American holiday, Papa would say. You kids are Americans, and you ought to celebrate important American holidays. On Thanksgiving, you eat turkey. Would you want people to think you were ungrateful? Papa came from Poland, and he was very big on holidays and being an American. There was no arguing with him. They had turkey every year. Most of the kids in the neighborhood had the same scene at home. Some of them liked turkey, some of them didn't, but they all had it on Thanksgiving. They all had fathers like Arthur Bobowicz's father. They came from Italy and the Ukraine and Puerto Rico and Hong Kong. The kids were all being raised to be Americans, and everyone's father knew that Americans eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Late in November, in the windows of the stores in Hoboken, where ducks had hung and sausages and legs of lamb, turkeys appeared. For the rest of the year, anyone who wanted a turkey would have had to go clear out of town. The turkeys appeared in Hoboken at Thanksgiving, no other time. It was Arthur's job to go and get the family turkey. Papa had reserved a turkey weeks in advance at Murphy's Meat Market. On Thanksgiving morning, Arthur was supposed to go to the market and bring back the turkey, a big one. The whole family was going to be there, uncles and aunts and some cousins, Mama and Papa, and Arthur's little brother and sister. Bringing back the turkey was an important job. Once it came into the house, all the cooking and rushing out for last-minute things from the store, and all the good smells would start. It was a good holiday, and all the kids enjoyed it, but it would have been even better if they had a duck or a chicken. Something had gone wrong at Murphy's Meat Market. Somehow, Papa's turkey reservation had gotten lost. Every turkey had some family's name on it. None of them had the name Bobowitch. Arthur ran down Garden Street and up the stairs of the apartment house. He told his mother about the mistake at the meat market. Maybe you'd better go back and get two chickens and a duck, his mother said. She was almost smiling. I'll explain it to your father. Arthur was sure she didn't like turkey either. Why wouldn't she admit it? Things had gone even more wrong than Arthur thought. When he got back to Murphy's meat market, there wasn't a single chicken in the place. No ducks either. All they had were turkeys, and every one of them was reserved for somebody else. Arthur was bothered by this, but not terribly worried. 
There are lots of stores and markets in Hoboken. German and Italian butchers, Spanish groceries, supermarkets. You can get almost anything to eat in the world in Hoboken, except a turkey, a chicken, or a duck on Thanksgiving, as Arthur found out. He went to every store in town that might possibly have a bird. He went to a few stores that probably did not have birds, just in case. This is a fish market. What makes you think we'd have turkeys or chickens, you silly kid? No chickens in a vegetable store, you silly kid. Silly kid, this is an Indian spice store. Curry powder, we've got. Mango chutney, we've got. Flash frozen chapatis, we've got. Birds we do not have. Arthur was looking for turkeys, chickens, ducks, geese. He would have taken any kind of bird at all. There wasn't anything of the kind to be found in the whole town. It was getting to be late in the morning, and it was snowing a little. Arthur was getting depressed. This was the first time he had the job of getting the Thanksgiving bird, and he had messed it up. He had tried every place. He had $16 in his pocket, and he hadn't found one single bird. He walked along River Street. He didn't want to go home and tell his mother the bad news. He felt tired, and the cold was going right through him. He noticed a card stuck in the window of an apartment house door. Professor Mazzacci, inventor of the chicken system, by appointment. Arthur rang the bell. What did he have to lose? The door buzzer buzzed, and he pushed it open. He stood at the bottom of the stairs. A voice from above shouted, You will not get me evicted. My brother owns this building. I am a scientist. If you people don't stop bothering me, I'll let the rooster loose again. Do you have a chicken for sale? Arthur shouted. He was desperate. What? You want to buy a chicken? Come right up, the voice from above answered. Arthur climbed the stairs. At the head of the stairs was an old man. He was wearing an old bathrobe with dragons embroidered on it. I have been waiting for years for someone to come to buy a super chicken, the old man said. The only people who ever come here are neighbors to complain about my chickens. They don't want me to keep them. You keep chickens in your apartment? Arthur asked. A farm would be better, Professor Mazzacci said. But my brother lets me stay here without paying any rent. Also, they are special chickens. I prefer to keep them under lock and key. We need one to cook for Thanksgiving, Arthur said. A large family? Professor Mazzacci asked. All my cousins are coming, Arthur said. And how much money did you bring? The old man asked. Sixteen dollars? Good. Wait here. The old man went inside the apartment with Arthur's sixteen dollars. When he opened the door, Arthur heard a clucking sound, but not like any clucking he had ever heard. It was deeper, louder. Arthur had a feeling that this wasn't going to work out. He was right. Professor Mazzacci came out of the apartment a few minutes later. He was leading a chicken that was taller than he was. This is the best poultry bargain on earth, he said. A medium-sized super chicken, six cents a pound. Here's your 266-pound chicken on the hoof. She'll be mighty good eating. Please don't forget to return the leash and collar. 
and Professor Mazzacci closed the apartment door. Arthur stood on the landing with the giant chicken for a while. The chicken looked bored. She shifted from foot to foot and stared at nothing with her little red eyes. Arthur was trying to understand what had just happened. He was trying to believe there was a 266-pound chicken standing in the hallway with him. Arthur was feeling numb. Then Arthur found himself pounding on Professor Mazzacci's door. No refunds, Professor Mazzacci shouted without opening the door. Don't you have anything smaller, Arthur shouted. No refunds, Professor Mazzacci, the inventor of the chicken system, shouted. Arthur could see that this was all he was going to get from Professor Mazzacci. He picked up the end of the leash. She is a bargain when you consider the price per pound, Arthur thought. The chicken tamely followed Arthur down the stairs. Everybody noticed the chicken as Arthur led it home. Most people didn't want to get too close to it. Some people made a sort of moaning noise when they saw the chicken. Arthur and the chicken arrived at the apartment house where the Bobowick family lived. Arthur led the chicken up the stairs and tied the leash to the banister. Then he went in to prepare his mother. That took a long time, she said. Did you get a bird? I got a chicken, Arthur said. Well, where is it? His mother asked. I left it in the hall, Arthur said. It only cost six cents a pound. That's very cheap, his mother said. Are you sure there's nothing wrong with it? Maybe it isn't fresh. It's fresh, Arthur said. It's alive. You brought home a live chicken? His mother was getting excited. It was the only one I could find. Arthur started to cry. I went to all the stores and nobody had any turkeys or chickens or ducks. And finally, I bought this chicken from an old man who raises them in his apartment. Arthur's mother was headed for the door. Mama, it's a very big chicken, Arthur shouted. She opened the door. The chicken was standing there, shifting from foot to foot, blinking. Cluck, it said. Arthur's mother closed the door and just stood staring at it. She didn't say anything for a long time. Finally, she said, there's a 200 pound chicken in the hall. She was talking to the door. 266 pounds, Arthur said. He was still sobbing. 266 pounds of live chicken, his mother said. It's wearing a dog collar. I'm supposed to return that, Arthur said. Arthur's mother opened the door and peeked out. Then she closed the door again. She looked at Arthur. She opened the door and looked at the chicken. She seems friendly, in a dumb way, she said. I thought we could call her Henrietta, Arthur said. You were supposed to bring home an ordinary chicken to eat, Arthur's mother said, not a 266-pound chicken to keep as a pet. It was the only one I could find, Arthur said. Arthur's little brother and sister had been watching all this from behind the kitchen door. Please let us keep her, they shouted. We'll help Arthur feed her and walk her and take care of her. 
She walks on the leash very nicely, Arthur said. I can train her, and she can cluck if burglars ever come. She's a good chicken. Please put her in the kitchen, and we'll discuss it when your father comes home, Arthur's mother said. That night, the family had meatloaf and mashed potatoes and vegetables for Thanksgiving dinner. Everybody thought it was a good meal. Henrietta especially liked the mashed potatoes, although Papa warned everybody not to feed her from the table. I don't want this chicken to get into the habit of begging, he said. And the first time the children forget to feed or walk her, out she goes. Papa had decided to let Arthur keep Henrietta. Every boy should have a chicken, he said. And that's the end of chapter one of the Hoboken Chicken Emergency. If you want to hear more about the adventures of Arthur and Henrietta, you can borrow this book from me at the school library. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. This will be two chapters of Junie B. First Grader, Turkeys We Have Loved and Eaten, and Other Thankful Stuff by Barbara Park. I think we need two chapters in this one because the chapters are quite short, and also we just need two to see where the story's going. Okay, chapter one is called The Contest. Monday. Dear First Grade Journal, Today is the month of Thanksgiving. At Thanksgiving, we draw a lot of turkeys. Also, we draw pilgrims and Native Americans. They are eating at a table, usually. Both of them seem to enjoy squash. I do not actually understand pilgrims. Their costumes look hottish and sweatish. This week, room one is making a list of the stuff we are thankful for. After we get done, we will put our list in a school contest and the room with the bestest thankful list will win. Also, we are having a Thanksgiving feast on Wednesday. Our families get to come to school. Thanksgiving is a lot of work. Your friend, Junie B., first grader. I closed my journal and thought about squash. Bluck, I said out loud. I hate squash. May did a frown. Shush, Judy Jones. Can't you see that I am still writing? She said. May is the girl who sits next to me. I am not thankful for her. Just then, my teacher, Mr. Scary, stood up at his desk. Boys and girls, it's time to get started on our thankful list for the school contest, he said. Can everyone please put your journals away? Yes, we shouted back. Yes, yes, yes. Then all the children slammed our journals shut very happily. Slam, slam, bam, slam, bam, slam, slam, bam. Mr. Scary sucked in, sucked in his cheeks at us. He made us open our journals again, and we had to shut them quietly. It was some sort of slamming lesson, I believe. Finally, he moved on. Okay. Last night's homework was to write down some of the things that you are thankful for, he said. He picked up a piece of chalk. Today, I will start printing our thankful list on the board, he said. We will work on the list today and tomorrow, and then we will enter it in the school thankful contest. A boy named Roger raised his hand. 
Do we get a prize if we win? He asked. I always try harder if there's a prize involved. Mr. Scary did a frown at him. We're not doing this for a prize, Roger, he said. We're doing this to celebrate the things we are thankful for. Roger tapped his fingers on his desk. So is that a yes or a no on the prize? He asked. Mr. Scary stood there a minute. Then, all of a sudden, a smile came on his face. We did not expect that. Okay, fine, Roger, he said. I was going to let this be a surprise if we won. But yes, there is a prize for winning the contest. All of room one perked up our ears. Because who doesn't love prizes, of course? What is it? What is it? We called out. What is the prize? Tell us! Tell us! Tell us! Mr. Scary walked back and forth, very thinking. He said he was really not supposed to tell us the surprise. But then, ha! He did a wink! And he told us anyway! The winning class is going to get a homemade pumpkin pie, he said. He smiled real big. And here is the best part. The pie will be made by our very own lunch lady, Mrs. Gladys Gutsman. After that, all of the children just sat there. And we didn't say any words. Instead, our faces turned kind of sickish. And we slumped way down in our chairs. Finally, I raised my hand. Pumpkin pie makes me vomit, I said. My friend Herbert nodded. Me too, he said. Pumpkin pie makes me vomit too. Me three, said my other friend named Shirley. Me four, said a boy named Lenny. My grandmother's pumpkin pie sits in my mouth like a big wad of goop glop. Roger looked at Mr. Scary. A prize that makes us vomit doesn't seem like much to shoot for, he said. Mr. Scary sat down at his desk and rubbed his head. Okay, let's just forget about the pie, he said. Really, this contest is not about winning a pie. This contest is about appreciating all the wonderful things in the world that we are thankful for. He looked around the room. If we're lucky enough to win, the real prize will be how proud we'll feel about doing our best, he said. A first grade class has never won this contest before. But I think this class has a great chance. You are definitely the most creative first graders I've ever had. Roger stood up. Now that I believe, he said. My brother Rodney was in your class last year, and Rodney is adult. Mr. Scary closed his eyes. Then he rubbed his head more. This was not going to be a good morning, probably. Chapter 2 is called Some Thankfuls. Mr. Scary moved on again. Okay, boys and girls, let's really get started now. If you'll please take out your homework papers, we'll begin sharing our ideas. Who would like to go first? I quick pulled out my homework. Me, 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 I shouted, because I have four excellent thankfuls, and I am not even kidding. Then I sprang up like a spring, and I started to read my thankful list. First, I am thankful for the turkey I love at Thanksgiving. 
Second, I enjoy the gravy. Plus, number three, I am thankful for the kind of cranberry jelly that comes in a can. Only even when you take it out of the can, it still keeps looking exactly like the can. I looked at my teacher. That stuff is like magic, I said. I do not know how farmers grow it in that shape. Mr. Scary stared at me a real long time. I looked back at my list. Oh, and here is my favorite one of all, I said. I am thankful for the kind of biscuits that come in a tube. And then you bash them on the counter and they come exploding out and everyone jumps. Plus also, my brother Ollie starts to cry. I grinned real big. That is just a fun bunch of biscuits. My friend Herbert jumped out of his seat. I can't believe it, Junie B. I am thankful for those biscuits too, he said. He quick grabbed his homework page and held it up. Look, see, it's right there on my paper, exploding biscuits. After that, me and Herb did a high five and a low five and a medium five. Also, we did a fist bump. A fist bump is when you knock your knuckles together. Sometimes it can be painful. May threw back her head at us. Oh, no, 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 she said. That cannot be true. Both of you did not write that by yourselves. You copied each other. I know you did. Who in the world is thankful for exploding biscuits? All of the children thought for a second. Then, one by one, they all started to shout. I am, I am, I am too, they shouted. My friend named Sheldon Potts sprang up from his chair. Me too, he called. One time, I ate six exploding biscuits right out of the tube, and they weren't even cooked yet. All of our eyes popped out of our heads, because that was the greatest exploding biscuit story we ever heard. We looked back at Mr. Scary. His eyes were stuck on Sheldon. You're a fascinating little boy, Sheldon Potts, he said. Yes, I know. You keep telling me that, said Sheldon. Mr. Scary smiled. Then he turned to the board, and he wrote the words, thankful list. Okay, Junie B, how about if you pick out your top two favorites, and we'll start the list off with them. I stared at my paper, very thinking. Then I told him my two favorites, and Mr. Scary printed them on the board. Number one, cranberry jelly in a can. Number two, exploding biscuits. He took a step back. Well, just as I thought, we're off to an interesting start, he said. He turned back to room one. As we continue, if you've brought a long list, Please just pick the two things that you are the most thankful for, okay? Okay, we shouted back. My friend Lenny waved his hand to go next. All right, Lenny, your turn. Tell us the number one thing in your life that you are most thankful for. Lenny yelled it out. Nipsey doodles, he said real loud. I love Nipsey doodles. Mr. Scary's face went funny. He did not move for a minute. Then, finally, his eyebrows raised to the top of his head. Nipsey Doodles, Len, he repeated, kind of quiet. 
Really? That's the number one thing in your life that you're thankful for? Nipsey Doodles? Lenny nodded. Then he checked his homework just to be sure. Yes, he said. Nipsey Doodles is number one. He smiled. They're a tasty little cheese snack unlike any other. Mr. Scary nodded very slow. Yes, I know, Lenny. I've heard the commercial. And I'm sure they're very tasty. But just out of curiosity, what is number two on your list? Lenny's face started to beam. Number two, rainbow sprinkles, he yelled. All of room one started to clap. Because the whole world loves rainbow sprinkles, of course. Mr. Scary didn't move again. Then, finally, he picked up the chalk. And he added Lenny's two thankfuls to the list. Number three, Nipsey Doodles. Number four, rainbow sprinkles. He stepped back and took a big breath. All righty, let's take another look at what we have here so far, he said. We have four delicious food items, don't we? But just remember, there are other things to be thankful for, too. Right, boys and girls? Right, we said. We thought and thought. Like what? we said. Mr. Scary chuckled. Well, for one thing, in our country we're lucky to have freedom, he said. Freedom is one reason the pilgrims came to America. He looked around the room. Did anyone put freedom on your thankful list? All of the children looked at their lists. Then everyone shook their heads no. Roger stood up again. We're only six, he said. We don't really have any freedom. He thought for a second. I'm not even allowed to cross the street by myself. Me neither, said Shirley. I have to stay in my own front yard. Jose raised his hand. I have to go to bed at 7.30, and half the time it's still light outside, he said. Herbert stood up, too. Well, wait till you hear this one. I have to eat cooked carrots or I don't get a cookie after dinner, he said. Just then, Sheldon slapped his hand on his desk, and he shouted real loud. And I am forced to take a multivitamin, he hollered. Does that sound like freedom? Mr. Scary quick held up his hand. Okay, okay, calm down, everyone. I get it, I get it, he said. He looked back at our thankful list. Then he nodded at us, very thoughtful. Boys and girls, you are absolutely right. You are first graders, and you can be thankful for whatever you want, he said. This list should be exactly what you want it to be. Not me, not the contest judges. Not anyone else but you. He smiled. Thanks for showing me that, he said. You're welcome, we said back. We are a polite group. Mr. Scary looked happy again. All right, who would like to go next, he said. And remember, whatever you say will be perfectly fine with me. Sheldon jumped up. Toilet paper! I am thankful for toilet paper, he shouted. Mr. Scary's eyes got big and wide. But he quick snapped out of it. 
and he printed the words on the board. Number five, toilet paper, he said. Sheldon grinned real excited. We're going to win this contest for sure, he said. He did a thumbs up at room one. Then all of us did a thumbs up back. Except not actually Mr. Scary. Okay, that was the beginning of Junie B. First Crater, Turkeys We Have Loved and Eaten, and Other Thankful Stuff by Barbara Park. If you want to um, hear the rest of that book or read it on your own, you can borrow it from our school library. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.